Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, welcome to episode number eight of the Familypreneur podcast. I'm Meg, and I'm really excited to have Sherry Bevan with me here today. Sherry is a former global head of IT services in an international law firm. She now runs the Confident Mother, an independent coaching practice. Sherry's been running her own business since 2012 and works as an author, coach, and speaker. She specializes in helping ambitious women get clear on what they really want, then find the confidence to take action, and move forward in their career or business. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for joining us on Familypreneur. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really delighted to be here. We're actually our first overseas interview. Oh, wow. That's lovely. I'm happy to bring my English accent to your listeners. Now I can officially say we're worldwide. Absolutely. (laughs) So I'd like to just jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about why you started your business and and how your business operates? Sure. So I started my business in 2012, so six years ago now, if I can do the maths correctly. I actually had two jobs at the time, which sounds a bit crazy, but I was working two different jobs. What I was finding was that my main job that was bringing in the most of my income was a very, um, I was working in technology. My background is in technology and professional services and law firms. And the, the role that I had, because I was actually representing a US company in the UK, an Atlanta-based firm, and um, because I was the only manager in the UK, um, and for a long time I was the only staff person in the UK, and I was responsible for everything from recruitment to sales, business development, marketing, event management, absolutely everything. And it meant that my role was very inflexible in terms of when I could take a day off or being able to take a morning off at short notice, you know, to go to the carol service or to go to the sports day at my kid's school. And I just, I just kind of got to the point where I realized I wanted a different work-life balance. And I was kind of looking ahead for the next two or three years when my girls went to secondary school, which is um, from ages 11 upwards in the UK. And I just felt that I wanted to be around for my children more. And so I, I decided I'd set up my own business. And at the time, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this approach to everybody or anybody, but I decided I set up my own business. And in my sector, I was quite well known. It's quite a niche sector in legal IT, which is where I worked at the time. I just emailed everybody that I knew and said, I'm starting my own business. What services would you like? And this, this is what I can offer. And everybody wanted the coaching bit, which kind of took me by surprise. I thought, oh, okay. And so I didn't have a clear idea before I started what I was going to do. I mean, over time, it's evolved. And now, 
you know, the business is called The Confident Mother and it is all about helping other women get that work-life balance in their career or their business. But yeah, so I started it because I wanted a different work-life balance than, than what I had at the time. Did you start your business while you were still employed full-time or did you like quit your job and jump? I quit my job and jumped. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's, I'm a go big or go home kind of girl. And yeah, I quit my job and jumped because I had tried cutting down my hours in in my work to, to try and, you know, I've been thinking about running my own business for quite a while, but I just, because I didn't really know what business I wanted to run. Yeah. I, and again, it's not an approach I'd necessarily recommend to others. But I just, I just quit my job and, and jumped. And in some ways, that was a good thing because it meant I have to make this successful. I've got to make it work because I was the major income in the family at the time. So I had to make it work. It wasn't going to be a, a happy family if I didn't start winning clients and winning business quite quickly. I think for some people, that's a good approach. But for other clients that I work with, I would advocate a different approach and to start your business alongside your full-time job or maybe cut down your full-time job to a part-time job and then do it that way. But, but for me at the time, it felt like the right thing to do. And I know you, were, you had some um, entrepreneurial role models growing up. Do you think that influenced maybe your, your decision to jump? I, I guess. So my father has been an entrepreneur, had been running his own business for, gosh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years. So I knew that it's possible to go out there on your own and, and make a business. I knew that well, he'd been able to do it. And by focusing on something very specific and quite niche, you know, he'd been, and he is now very successful in that world, you know, and he's re- received lifetime achievement awards and that sort of thing. And then as well, my stepfather and my mum, they together, they ran a driving school. And my stepfather had always been a bit of an, an entrepreneur and running businesses. He ran a pub for a while in, in the UK. And then he set up this driving school. So, so yes, I suppose they, they were role models for me because I could see, for example, with the driving school, that customer service was really super important. And then making sure your clients understood what you could offer and what was different about you. I didn't have to learn that from a book. I just knew that because I'd kind of seen it as a teenager growing up. Did your husband work a traditional job or is he self-employed? He is self-employed actually, but more of a traditional job in that he's a teacher. He teaches English as a second language, but the nature of the contract that he has, he's self-employed. So he's on what we call variable hours in the UK, which actually is brilliant because he doesn't work school holidays and he's always home by the time the kids get home from school. So it means in developing and growing my business, I've had the flexibility that if I needed to go, you know, to, to cross the country, I mean, crossing the country in London is a, is a bit different than crossing the country in the USA. But, you know, if I needed to go somewhere for the day, if I needed to get back late, or if I needed to go to evening networking events, I didn't ever have to worry about who's going to look after the children because he was always, you know, always there. So that's been a big advantage for me, I suppose, compared to some other mothers. So after you left your traditional employment, launched your own business, how did you handle the change or the shift that must have happened with balancing work and family? Oh, gosh, yes. It's quite a shift, really. I think the difficult thing when you're balancing a business alongside a family 
or alongside anything really, is that your business can become all-consuming because generally speaking, we set up a business that we love and that we enjoy and that we're passionate about. And I absolutely love what I do. I love working with women. I love helping them to feel powerful and confident and to help them get unstuck in whatever it is they're doing right now. But because of that, I could spend 24 hours a day working in and on my business. And actually, that's not very healthy because that doesn't give you the time to recharge and refresh and, and relax. And of course, it means you're not, if you're working in your business 24 hours, you're not spending kind of good quality time with your children. And my children are at the age now where they don't need me to sit with them when they get home from school and read a book or something like that. You know, they're older, they're 12 and 15. But they do want me to be there. And if I'm helping them practice for their French test or uh, helping them to revise for their history test or, you know, they expect me to be fully present when I am with them and not be checking my email at the same time or to be, you know, thinking about the the next um, chapter of my book that I'm writing and stuff like that. So it's, I think it can be very easy to get all consumed by your business particularly because we, we tend to go into a business that we love and that we're passionate about. And if, if you don't love what you're doing, then what's the point, in my opinion? Right. So what strategies or tools did you use to separate those time blocks? I think the one thing that's been really important for me is to, to be really clear that if I'm spending time with my family, and I'm not saying I'm always perfect at this. You know, this is, this is what I aspire to do. I'm not always the best at doing it. But when I'm with my family, so for example, if I'm sitting watching TV with the kids or we're going for a walk or going out with, with the dogs, I, I dog sit as well as a, not, not really as a business, but for a fun thing. You know, I'd, I will be fully present with my family. So I'm not checking social media and Twitter at the same time or, or writing my emails or jotting down notes for my blog. And then when I'm with my business, I'm fully immersed in my business and I'm not trying to blend the two, which I think is very easy to do nowadays with the technology that's available, but it, but it actually means you're not giving any aspect of your life the full attention and presence that it deserves. So I think for me, that's been the really important learning curve. And I'm, you know, I, I don't get this right all of the time. I will sometimes be guilty of kind of checking my Twitter feed because it's, you know, hashtag mum's hour on Twitter or something. And, and your children know, you know, if, if I'm not paying proper attention, they say, mummy, you're not listening. And kids know if you're not paying the attention. And that's when children can start to play up or to be, you know, difficult to deal with because actually what they really want from you is your full attention. They might only want your full attention for 15 minutes and that's it. And then they're done, you know, they'll, they'll go off and do something else. But if you try and give them that attention spread out while you're trying to do other things, it's, they just know you're not really paying them proper attention. That's when they start to play up and do silly things and do you know, naughty things because they want your attention. If being naughty is the way to get your attention, then that's what they'll do. So for me, it's, it's been very clear about whether I'm, I'm in business mode or whether I'm in mummy mode. And you mentioned writing a book. You have a book that's out. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit? Because I know that your book talks a lot about being an entrepreneur and a mom. Yeah. Yeah. So my book was came out a couple of years ago now, 2015. So, so when I first set up my business, I very much focused on 
the niche that I was already working in, which is technology, service delivery and customer service in law firms in technology. So kind of niche than niche is how most people have described it. And after, but I was coaching women on the side and I have been for years, even when I was at my law firm as head of IT, I was coaching women on the side. So our head of HR, if a woman came down and told us she was pregnant and expecting, she would send them along or go and see Sherry. And they'd say, well, why am I going to see Sherry? She's head of IT. I don't get that. And she said, no, but she knows about being a mum and dealing with the guilt and work-life balance and home birth and breastfeeding because I trained as a NCT practitioner, which is one of the big charities in the UK. And so um, I'd been doing this work for a couple of years, coaching women on the side. And when I worked with my own coach, I realized one day it was kind of like this big light bulb moment, like, oh God, you know, the things that I get really excited about are the times when I'm working with women. And once I realized that, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, to run a business, you need a mailing list of some sort generally speaking, or you need some way of connecting with these people. And what I'd ended up doing is basically to run two businesses, one for law firms and one for mums. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense because there's only one of me and there are only 24 hours a day. And I've also got to fit in family time, marathon running time, eating time, sleeping time, all of that kind of stuff. And so I thought, right, I'm going to focus on working with women. And I made that decision. Then I thought, okay, so now that's what I've decided to do. What can I do to grow my list? Because I had like 12 people on my list at the time. I mean, seriously, it was a tiny list. And I thought, because that's not going to generate income because up until that point, people had just been coming to me by referral, you know, friends of friends of friends. And so I decided the easiest thing for me to do was to run an online conference. So I set up an online conference over three weeks, interviewing amazing women about their business, about things that I thought were important to be a confident mother. So, And then I was just chatting to another businesswoman and she said to me, so Sherry, so you're running this online conference. How are you going to use the content afterwards? Are you going to write a book about it? I said, oh, no, don't be silly. That's crazy. And then, but the seed was there in my head. And then I happened to talk to a friend who I discovered um, was about to set up her own business as a publisher. And I said, Alison, um, somebody's just mentioned to me this conference that I'm going to run in January. I could turn it into a book. What do you think to that idea? And she said, oh my God, that's amazing, Sherry. What a brilliant idea. So, so then I decided to turn it into a book. So the book is part autobiography. So talking about my own personal experiences as a mother, um, how I got through burnout and postnatal depression and self-harm and all that kind of stuff and, and how I then created my business. And then kind of the second half of it is the interviews that I did at the time and edited versions of the interviews. And, and I've brought out the key learning points from each interview so that other women can just dip into the book at different stages in their life or different stages in their business and just find the one that makes sense for them at that time. So the book came about almost by accident. <laughs> But, you know, it's been one of the best things. And if anybody else is thinking about writing a book, I definitely encourage you to do it because it's, and, and to work with somebody. I mean, I, I was lucky because Alison, my friend, was just setting up her business as a book coach. So I was one of her very first clients. And that was brilliant because she really got me to think about how to write it and 
you know, my girls are on the front cover, which was amazing to have them be part of the book as well. So yeah, it was just a fantastic experience. Hard work, really hard work, because it takes a lot of dedication and time and writing, obviously. But yeah, brilliant. I love doing the book. And having the book launch party was the best bit, of course, you know, champagne and everybody coming to buy the book and being really excited and doing a reading from the books. That was an amazing event. And the book is for all women, right? Like that's your ideal audience? Yeah, for all women. It probably aimed more at mothers. All of the people who've got a chapter in the book, they're nearly all mothers themselves, but they're not all mothers. And I think 19 out of the 20 are women, one man in there. But it's all talking about different aspects of what it takes to be a confident mother. So some aspects are about your parenting skills. Some aspects are about how to keep fit and look after yourself, how to eat healthily, not just for yourself, but for your children as well. So it covers all aspects really of being a mother. Yeah, of being a mother and what it takes to be a confident mother in this day and age. And it's, and it's not about being the, the best mother in the world or the perfect mother. It's very much the focus is about being a good enough mother. Like you said, this day and age, I mean, with social media, I feel like guilt is high, you know, and confidence is low among a lot of, a lot of moms. Yeah. And because so many mums, I mean, I tend to specialize in women who've taken a career break and then gone back to work. And I know, you know, the family leave here in the UK is very different to what you have in the States. And a lot of women do take a big knock to their confidence when they've taken that time out from work or from their career. And women who are running a business tend to take less time out, but it does affect your confidence. And it's not just the fact that you're experiencing sleep deprivation and your hormones are maybe a bit all over the place. But it's being out of the workplace for an extended period of time and perhaps often starting to recognize that you know, the way that men and women tend to communicate in the workplace and the way we tend to behave and the way we tend to lead is, is a bit different for men and women. And it's not to say that one is right and one is wrong. It's just different. And for, for me, a large part of what I do now is, is helping women to value those differences and to acknowledge and celebrate and and relish the fact that we're different and not just see it as, as a challenge or, or a barrier or, or something that has to be fixed. You know, I think we should be who we really are, but at the same time recognizing the workplace has very much grown up to be a male-dominated workplace. And so therefore, how we feel confident and how we express our confidence in the workplace is different to what, how men express it. And because they see that as us being lacking in confidence. So they treat us as though we're lacking in confidence. And then it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle because you think, you might not think this consciously, but it's what's going on in your head subconsciously. So then you start to behave less confidently because you're getting signals that you're not behaving confidently. And you are, it's just that our ways of displaying confidence are different to your typical male ways of displaying confidence. And so that's really what I want to get across is that you just need to be who you are and to be what's unique and special about you and kind of value and celebrate that, not try and change yourself to be a male version of you. No, and I like that message, not to, not to compete. You know, don't compete or compare, but be the best you that you can be. And Absolutely. And yeah, you know, I do talk about, you know, things like unconscious bias, for example. And I do talk about how the way we talk, the way we tend to talk, can affect how others perceive us. So it's not about changing the way that you talk, but understanding how that might be perceived. 
And obviously when you're talking with a group, you know, we use words like, oh, well, I'm just a mum or I'm just a housewife or I'm just a business owner. And that's kind of natural in, within a group of women. And we kind of get that doesn't necessarily mean that you're downplaying what you do. And that might be true for some women if they are lacking in confidence. But if you say that in a group of men, they'll perceive that to be, well, she doesn't think much of herself. She doesn't think much of her business. But it's just that as women in society, we've grown up to, to be nice to each other. We've been taught it's, it's good to be nice and good to be liked and good to be sociable. Whereas men have grown up to think, it's good to be competitive. It's good to win. It's good to be the best. So whereas they might come into a conversation with women and say, I've got the best marketing business in the world. And we're all going to think, whoa, that's a bit arrogant. That's a bit, you know, but it's, that's just the way that society has taught us to be and behave and communicate. And for me, it really is about valuing, accepting the differences, but valuing the differences as well, whether you're a man or a woman. Now, one other thing I heard you mention a little bit ago was that you run marathons. <laughs> yeah. Do you run multiple marathons a year? Oh, gosh, no, 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 no. I only ever do one marathon a year. So, um, and, and I, this sounds crazy now, but when I first set up my business, one of my goals was I wanted to have more time for marathon training. And I'm thinking, what crazy woman sets up a business in order to have more time for marathon training? Um, so I've only run a couple. I haven't run the last couple of years because I had an injury that just kind of went on and on and on. But I've run at London Marathon, which I guess is probably the one that your listeners will be most familiar with. And it's just an incredible experience. I'm not a fast runner. You know, I, I run because I enjoy running and because I enjoy the challenge and enjoy, um, it's quite a social, can be quite a sociable sport. Although I'm now thinking of all the times I've run on my own for hours and hours in the dark and in thunderstorms and snow and lightning. But it can be a sociable sport. Yeah, I enjoy running. For me, it's one of my ways I like to get away from work and get away from the business and get away from the family and just go and be myself and relax and de-stress. And it's often a way for me where I I might know that I've got a, that I'm facing a challenge or a problem in my business or maybe a challenge for one of my clients. And I'll tell myself, okay, I'm going to go for a run now. Let's go and do four miles. And at the end of it, I'm going to have the answer to ABC problem. And so then I won't consciously think about it while I'm running, but I'll just go and do my run. It's a way of getting out. I live very close to woods and parkland, so I can go running off road. So I'll just go and run. And then very often, by the time I get home, it will just pop into my head the answer. And I think, oh, right, that's what I need to do. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a way of keeping my stress levels at bay. So probably not something that every parent or business owner needs to do. But I think potentially finding that avenue, you know, that thing that does that for you, you know, somewhere that you can retreat and self-care and it improves your health. Like it's got, it seems like there'd be a lot of benefits there. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things I'm really strong and passionate about in my business. So, so for the confident mother, I have these five, the, the, my philosophy is there's five elements to get your confidence. And one of them is about contribution, which is about recognizing who you are and what's unique and special about you. But my second one is about wellness. I think it's so important to look after yourself in terms of your physical health and your mental and emotional health. Now, partly that's been, you know, because I've had mental health issues myself in the past. You know, I had burnout in one of my first jobs. I've experienced postnatal depression. At one point, I was self-harming. So for me, you know, you can't be a good mother. You can't be a good business 
owner unless you look after yourself. And, you know, we sometimes think I'll just, I'll just keep on working for an extra hour or, or I'll just work through my lunch break or I won't and I'll, I'll put the kids to bed and then I'll carry on working tonight. And actually that's, that's not good for you because you're not giving your body and your mind the opportunity to kind of refresh and recharge. And it's so important. And what I find with a lot of the women that I work for is they make sure their kids go to dance classes or swim classes and they make sure their husband gets his morning at the golf club or whatever, but they, they put themselves last. And actually I believe you've got to look after yourself first. Very often the woman is the person that kind of holds the whole family together is the glue for the family. And if you don't look after yourself first, then nobody else is going to do that for you. And, and for me it is running but for other people, it's meditation or yoga or swimming. I think it's really important that we all find some way of just being you. You know, when you go out and do something like that, it's good for your creativity, for your productivity, your stress levels go down. And we, you know, there's research now, neuroscience research that tells us that this is a really healthy, positive thing to do. And the more you get out there and do something active or do something you know, some sort of mindfulness or meditation, actually, you'll reap the benefits because you'll be more productive. Whereas if you just work, 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 then you, you get less productive, less creative, and you can't make decisions as effectively. So I encourage all my clients to look after themselves first. With running, do you feel like it ties into your business at all? Oh, gosh, yes. I, I mean, running a marathon, when I, when I trained for my first marathon, like all marathon runners, you kind of, you get your training plan, you look at it and you, you look down the, the sheet and you think, oh my God, I've got to run 18 miles. I can never run 18 miles. That's ridiculous. And that is to a certain extent is a bit like running a business because when you first set up your business and you might have your goal might be to earn a million dollars or $10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever your goal is. And at the start, you might think, crikey, I don't know how I'm going to get there. That's just impossible. And so it's very easy to think, well, I won't bother then, you know, and I'll do nothing. Or you try and do it all at once. And that's the same with running and training for a marathon because there's no point me looking down at, I've got to run 18 miles on the 18th of March. All I've got to focus on is what have I got to do this coming week? And this coming week, it might just be going out there and running three miles on Tuesday, four miles on Thursday, and, you know, maybe six miles on Sunday. And that's all I need to focus on. And that's the same in your business. You don't need to focus on what do I need to do to get myself to that $100 million turnover or whatever your goal is. You've just got to focus on what do I need to get done this month, this week, and what do I need to get done today? And actually taking it, stripping it right down, what do I need to do right now? So for marathon training, obviously you've got to think about the actual running bit. That's kind of a crucial part of it. But you've also got to think about getting enough sleep, eating properly, drinking well, um, looking after yourself generally, you know, not trying to do crazy things. I'm not saying I'm the best at that because I tend, I tend to take on too much. But yeah, running a marathon is a bit like running a business because if you looked at that end goal straight away and think, oh, I've got to go from running three miles to running 26.2 miles, nobody can do that in one big jump, but you just break it down into smaller steps. And really that's all a business is. It's, and because with a marathon, you just, sometimes you just have to keep going, even though you think, oh, this is hard work. You just have to keep going. And so when I'm running and doing my training, 
I'll tell myself, right, I want to stop running now. I, this is hurting. I just want to stop. And often it's not really hurting. Well, it is, but it's your brain telling you it's hurting, but your body can actually carry on for a bit longer. So then what I do, I think, right, I'll run to the next lamppost. I'll run to that next tree. Well, I'll keep running while there are people walking towards me and then I'll take a walk break. And it's the same with your business. I'll, I'll just keep going. I'll just do my newsletter this week and my newsletter next week. And then I'll see what, what next. And you, it's that endurance. You've just got to keep going. And being successful in business and being successful in running, a lot of it's about your mindset. You've just got to believe in yourself and believe that you can do it and not necessarily worry about what the next step is going to be, but just focus on what do I need to do today to get me closer to that goal and then just go and do it. It's as easy as that. <laughs> it made me think back to an earlier part of our conversation where we were talking about comparing yourself to other people. I think that's important too, not to worry about, you know, you imply that you're not like the first place or maybe even second or third, like you don't get a medal for running, but you enjoy it. And I think that that's important too, right? That it doesn't matter if you're first or if you're the last one that crosses the finish line you set the goal, you work at your own pace and success is success, regardless of how long it takes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as well, we all have a different definition of success. So for me, for example, a successful business is one that brings in an income that you know covers all my household needs and looks after my family and allows us to go on holiday and you know that kind of thing. But then for me, successful also means being recognized for my knowledge and my expertise and um, getting opportunities to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, you know, going on the radio or going on the news and talking about things. Whereas for other people, success might be very much related to the financial side of things, or success might be very much related to how much time do they have to do mountain biking or skiing. So our definition of success varies hugely from one person to the next. I think it can be quite dangerous to compare yourself to other people because we all have different expectations from running a business. And what I discovered when I talk to, particularly when I work with my business clients, you know, who are running their own business, is that very often what you see on the surface is not what's going on underneath. And I've worked with some women where I've thought, oh gosh, why does she want to come and work with me? I'm surprised because she's so successful and and then you, when you start to get to know them a bit more and you start to dig into their business and then you think, oh, that's interesting. She's nowhere near as profitable or sometimes she's not profitable. And I had expected her to be in a different place. You know, social media is fantastic at sharing ideas and seeing what other people are up to, but also it can be quite challenging because you're seeing other people talk about and I do this, you know, obviously I was on BBC um, News earlier this week. So obviously I'm going to share that on my social media thing. That doesn't mean I'm doing that every day this week. And, you know, later on that evening, my kids were having an argument about the Christmas tree decorations. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that I've been on BBC News doesn't mean that my life is picture perfect. It just means that on that day I was on BBC News, but that doesn't tell you what else is going on in my life. And so you there's no point trying to compare yourself. Yes, get your inspiration, get your role models, look at how somebody's building their business, look at what they're doing, observe what's working, see what you can apply to yourself. But you can't compete with everybody else. And I think that comes back to 
believing in you and being believing in what's unique about you because you know for example if we talk about you know podcasters you know like you and I you know there are hundreds of podcasts that um, women who run a business could choose to listen to there are so many podcasts out there but not everybody's going to do their podcast the way that you do your podcast or they're not going to be talking about the exact same things as you're going to be talking about in your podcast and so you, you can't worry about all those other podcasters or if you're a marketing manager, you can't worry about all those other marketing managers because nobody else will do it the way that you do it. And at the end of the day, we buy from people. And so when you're selling a service, you know, I work as a coach. So some people love my style. They love the fact that I'm, that I, I openly bring my parenting and my family into the work that I do and that I have a very logical, structured approach. And I'm quite, let's just get it. I'm an action taker. You know, I, I'm not a fluffy coach um whereas other people i i know i scare the pants off other people because i think geez you know just calm down sherry and stop doing so much because you're scaring us so i'm not going to appeal to those people but another coach will appeal to them so you've just got to compete against yourself and be the very best that you can be and speaking of podcasts can you tell us a little bit because you've got two right i have got two yeah so i run my first podcast that's been going about a year is called Confident Conversations. And so that is very much aimed at ambitious women who want to confidently balance work and life. So it's aimed more at women who work in a, in a career, so are employed in corporate as opposed to a business owner. Um, but we focus on different aspects of what it takes to be a mother and work in corporate. So some of my interviews are with women that work in corporate talking about the challenges they face in their career. Um, other interviews are with people who can give you tips on how to be confident in the workplace. So how to tackle challenging conversations, um, how, to, um, how to get a job share role, how to negotiate a pay rise, that sort of thing. And then my other podcast that I run with Sue Revel is called On the Tipping Point. And that one is aimed much more at entrepreneurs. And it's about how do you get beyond that tipping point of success? Because so many businesses, myself included, you spend months, years kind of just on that tipping point. You think, I just need that, that next client, that next success to get. And we spend hours kind of clinging on trying to get there. And so, so that's what that podcast is about. So we talk about things like um, finding your voice, taking action, resilience, the things that you need to develop yourself as a business leader, but also your personal leadership. So it's about who you need to be, but what you need to do as well. That's great. Those both sound valuable and you're going to hit both segments, you know, the, the entrepreneurs and then the corporate moms. So that's awesome. And we'll link to those in the show notes so people can check out, you know, what you have going on over there. What would be your number one, like if, if people listen to this episode and take one thing away from it, like what's your number one piece of advice? Oh, I think my number one piece of advice is the more you can be you and be uniquely and unapologetically you, then the better things will be. And just be yourself because nobody else can be you in the same way as you can. That's great. Now, where can our listeners find out more about you on social media, on the web? Where are you? So if you come over to um, my website, theconfidentmother.co.uk, I'm on Facebook under The Confident Mother as well. And um, on Twitter, I'm about to change my Twitter handle, which is slightly scary. So by the time this podcast episode goes out, it will probably be 
confident mother there as well. Yeah, or I'm on LinkedIn. You know, if you're in, in corporate still, then come and find me on LinkedIn too. And I'll make sure to get updated links, you know, so when you do change your handle, we'll update that in the show notes so that everybody can find you. Um, if the audio is a little outdated, at least they can go back to that link. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like this has been super valuable. And you have a, don't you have a freebie too? I do. I do have a freebie, um, which is seven ways to confidently balance work and life. So basically seven ideas to help you cope with the overwhelm and and get that work-life balance that we all so much want. Oh, I'll make sure to link to that because I feel like that's going to be super relevant to everything we talked about today. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Great. Thank you so much, Meg. I've really enjoyed being part of your show. You'll find all the show notes at megbrunson.com slash eight. Last show, we met Susie Parker. Susie is a certified sleep consultant and the founder of Sleep Baby Love Child Sleep Consulting. Through personalized consulting and online courses, Susie helps many exhausted families teach their babies, toddlers, and preschoolers to love sleep. Susie and her husband both hold corporate jobs as well as self-employment and believe in the power of diversifying the household income. If you have a little one who's struggling with sleep or are balancing a corporate job in multiple income streams, you'll want to go back and give that episode a listen. Next week, I'm excited to welcome Hannah B. King to the podcast. Hannah is an intuitive success mentor for creative entrepreneurial mamas. She's on a mission, creating a movement of modern-day badass mamas collectively inspired on their journey of radical transformation and quantum growth, guiding them to create their dream-desired lifestyle on their own terms. We're going to dive into the topics of facing mental blocks and making mindset shifts and the trick to making affirmations effective. It's an episode that you can't miss, so subscribe to the podcast today. Do us a favor, share this podcast with a friend who is also building a business and raising a family. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.